And so that I would say was the biggest gift I could give. And I wanted to mention this too, so I'm glad you brought it up. My advice, like how do you stay focused on what you're doing, the content you're putting out and not getting lost is know your why. Who is your target audience and what is your why? Not your what, not your how. But if you've ever read the book, like Start With Why by Simon Sinek, he also has a TED Talk on the mat on the subject that's fantastic and you should watch. What is your why? Why do you do what you do and who are you talking to? Like, I mean, I get distracted in a million different set, in a million different ways because there's so many ideas all the time and everything's exciting. But I have to go back and be like, all right, what's my why? And I focus there. What's important to me? Why am I doing this? And that creates a lot of, okay, I can set this aside. This isn't important right now. You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Hello and welcome back to the To Be Blunt podcast. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, cannabis business owner and brand marketer. And can you believe it? We're in June already. Oh my gosh, I'm not prepared, but then again, am I ever I can't believe this. Also, coming up this month, the podcast, To Be Blunt, will officially be three years old. Aside from a few blips and Mondays missed, I'm still super sorry about that, by the way. I was and forever will be figuring my shit out in real time. But I have managed to produce over 147 episodes for your listening pleasure. The podcast has certainly gone through a couple different iterations, and I just want to echo again and again my gratitude to you for tuning in, supporting me, and the podcast. This started out as a project in the height of the pandemic to learn and grow my network, and it's blossomed tenfold into a beautiful community of friends from all over the world who tune in to help shape the way we take cannabis products to market. So thank you. More to come next week when we officially cross the three-year mark on June 11th. But if you want to celebrate with me, you can do so by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps the show. It helps new people find and discover the show. And it really means a lot. So thank you again. And housekeeping, by the way. I am no longer on Buzzsprout. My account is actually expiring over there. So I've been watching some of the metrics and noticed that people are still listening on that platform. So if this is you, if you are tuning in from Buzzsprout, please move over to Substack with me. You can access all my episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts, but the new URL for the podcast is tobebluntpod.com. Okay, so some cannabis news to put on your radar. First and foremost, the Minnesota governor signed marijuana legalization into law by making it the 23rd state in the U.S. that is ending cannabis prohibition. And with the governor's signature, marijuana possession and home cultivation will become legal in the state this August 1st, with regulators expecting to take 12 to 18 months to get a licensed commercial sales system launched. I'm very excited for my Minnesota cannabis friends and can't wait to hear how things progress for that market especially what impact, if any, it has on their hemp-derived beverages. The next news is something that caught my attention since I am personally still exploring psychedelics by way of mushrooms and psilocybin. 
So combining cannabinoids with psilocybin into a single formula for treating both physical and mental health issues took another step closer to reality as described in a product patent from a major cannabinoid laboratory called CAMTECH, C-A-A-M-T-E-C-H. CAMTECH is based in Washington, less than 20 miles southeast of Seattle, and they're analyzing how the two substances interact with each other, as well as a specific physical and mental health outcomes that can be expected. One of the points they highlight in the article shares cannabis combined with psilocybin has been found to shrink tumors in breast cancer in the specific case of a 49-year-old woman, which to me sounds pretty promising as we continue to unwind the world of psychedelics and cannabis which clearly is a very hot topic. So for sure, more to come. And if that's your realm, please reach out. Would love to learn from you. Would love to discuss more. And I'm definitely trying to bring more of those conversations onto the podcast for us to unpack here together. The last thing I want to put on your radar is the Cannabis Marketing Summit is taking place this June in Denver, Colorado. It will be two full days of content from June 22nd through the 23rd with a pre-party kicking off on the 21st. And if you're in Denver or are interested in networking and learning from some of the best in cannabis marketing, then this is an event that you do not want to miss. Honest, it was one of the best events I went to last year and I'm excited to be back. You can learn more at thecannabismarketingassociation.com. And if you're attending, please be sure to stay for my panel, Seed to Brand, which is at 1.30 p.m. on Friday the 23rd. It'll be in the main room on stage one. And y'all, it is a great lineup featuring all former podcast guests, which I didn't even put together. So kudos to the Cannabis Marketing Association team for this great event in general, but extra special for this panel that I'm going to be participating on. And it is featuring Joe Hodes, the CMO of Awana, arguably the largest edible brand in the world. John Shute, who is a friend and the founder of Puff Creative, an award-winning cannabis digital and creative agency, and Catherine Wolf. She is the CMO of Malik's Premium Cannabis, a very well-regarded cannabis brand coming out of Denver, and of course, yours truly. So I just really can't wait to be back in Denver talking about all things brand, how to take your brand from seed to sale. And if you are a Denver brand slash Denver brands, I would love to set up some grow tours while I'm in the area. So if you know anyone I should connect with, please let me know. Woohoo. Okay, all great stuff. Now getting to today's guest, I am so thrilled to have Christina Wong of Fruit and Flower on the podcast. Christina has become a great friend and personal inspiration of mine in this space. And I loved the opportunity to learn more about her background and pick her brain about all things content creation and cannabis PR and marketing. Christina is a cannabis food, drink, and travel writer, creator, and baked baker in Los Angeles, California. She's founder and CEO of Fruit and Flower Co. and the host of Fruit and Flower Unfurled, a newsletter and podcast on Substack for culinary cannabis enthusiasts. Additionally, she's co-host of Mogu Magu, an AAPI culture, food, and cannabis collective, and partner and culinary editor of The Clever Root, a food lover's guide to modern cannabis. Her work has been featured in Thrillist, High Times, Cherry Bomb, Canna Curious, and Kitchen Toke magazines. Again, super excited for this conversation. We got into some of the highs and lows of cannabis content creation, what it's been like for Christina going from being a publicist on the PR side to being an independent brand working with brands and helping them create content and media opportunities. So definitely a really great conversation for anyone who's just curious about cannabis content creation, or maybe you're trying to be a cannabis content creator yourself. 
Either way, Christina really shared bluntly, and we really appreciate her for that. So without further ado, please join me by lighting one up, and let's welcome Christina to the show. Hi, everybody. My name is Christina Wong, and I am a baked baker and cannabis creator, writer, PR consultant, and so many other things. I'm the founder of Fruit and Flower Co. It's a creative content media agency. And my goal with that is I like to use food and culinary and my background in farm to fork to be able to teach and educate people about how to appreciate their cannabis in the same way that they would love and appreciate their food. So my thinking is that if you shop at Whole Foods, you go to the farmer's market, you care about organic ingredients or organic-ish, right? That you should learn to appreciate your cannabis in the same way. And then there's so much information and it's all new to all of us and it's incredibly overwhelming. And when I first got into the industry, so my first job in the industry was as head of content and communications at Papa and Barkley. They are California's leading wellness company. They made their name making topicals and now they have a beautiful line of edibles and tinctures and other things, but they are a solventless plant-based. So my introduction into cannabis was very much very similar to my experience and background working in food and restaurants and hospitality. And so fruit and flower is really the mashup of where culinary meets cannabis. I call my audience the foodie weedies, people who really love good food, who I know would also really love good cannabis. But first, we have to learn about all of it and how to find it and sift through. And I'm a fruit and flower on Instagram. I create content. I work with brands. I do a lot of content marketing. I'm also a I'm a writer. So I write a lot of recipes and articles talking about food and travel and hospitality in the cannabis industry for different outlets, including Thrillist. I write for MedMen's Ember, um, Different Leaf Magazine. I'm about to probably do some articles for their edibles issue. And then I'm also a partner and recipe editor for The Clever Root, which is a digital publication relaunching in June. And that is a food lover's guide to modern cannabis that I'm doing with Rachel Birkins, who is Smoke Sip Saver on Instagram. And we both just connected and loved food. That is my world. I am where culinary meets cannabis and the beautiful, amazing, imaginative mashups that come from that. I love it. I'm just so excited and inspired by everything that you do. I have to admit, I think when I first met you in person, which was at MJ Biz, I think it was last yep. year, I originally found you by watching Baker's Dozen, this yes. TV <laughs> baking show <laughs> with Tamara Mowry. And do you have this just like great personality? And obviously that show was not cannabis driven at all. So you weren't baking with cannabis, but you were just making really delicious flavor profiles and baked goods. And I was like, oh, this person is fabulous and entertaining. <laughs> and then when I found you on social media, obviously you, everything you just said, makes sense in that way that you are promoting yourself, you're promoting your content, you're talking about the plant, you're incorporating it into the beautiful dishes and baked goods that you are presenting. And I was just like, oh my God, I love this woman. She's fabulous. <laughs> and we have to be friends. So I really enjoyed getting to follow along your content journey over the past couple of months, maybe almost even like a year now that I've been paying attention to your content and just excited to have you on the podcast to crack, you know, that open a little bit more and get a little bit more insight into some of the things that you found have been, I guess, helpful or successful for you in building because you're a personal brand. Like you said, you're a content creator, you're working with other brands. Also shout out to Rachel. Rachel <laughs> has also been a previous guest on the podcast. And then you mentioned Papa and Barkley. So Guy 
The CEO of the company was also a recent guest. We've got some good synergy going on here. So I guess let's kind of start maybe at the baking side, because I guess that's where I'm gravitating towards. You are doing a lot of collaborations with other cannabis brands, and you're using your baking to showcase some of those brands. Your content creator, like how did you get started doing that? Because I think from my perspective as a content creator as well, a lot of times the question I get asked is, how do you start working with a brand? And my answer is always, sometimes you do it for free. You go to the, you buy the products and you make the content and then you tag (laughs) them and you hope that they see it and think that what you're doing is really beautiful Mm -hmm. or well done. And you start to build your audience that way. But so maybe it's a two-part question. One, how did you start building your audience? And two, how did you start working with brands in that capacity? And maybe what's the umbrella of ways that you work with brands? You're talking about recipes, social media yeah. posts, et cetera. So feel free to and take this, that. It's so appropriate that you said you had Guy from Poppin' Barkley on as a previous guest because, and because my journey really, my journey in cannabis starts there. And I remember I was in a big, a huge transition phase in my life. I had left this job that I gave my heart and my soul and everything to. And then all of a sudden I took some time off to travel, but then I was like, who am I? What do I want to do? And I was lost for a little bit. And I thought about what industry I'd want to work in. And I love entrepreneurship. I love working with founders. And so getting into the cannabis industry here in California was something that was very top of mind. It was, this was around 2018, 19. So it was like that boom, post-legal boom. And Poppin Barkley had the type of values of a company that I was really looking for. And when I got there, it really did. And I, whenever I see Guy now at events, I always thank him and we chat and I say, thank you so much for inspiring me because the well of passion that I have for plant-based, for solventless, for cannabis, for appreciating small farmers and craft comes from Guy. It comes from Pop and Barkley. That same well of passion that he talks about, that was a spark that I got from them. And I left Poplin Barkley right before the pandemic. And and it's one of those things, if you're young and you're in this industry and you're trying to get, or you're trying to get in and you're trying to move up, just know that everything changes in an instant. I I was so lucky to get the job because I was just kind of, I was having breakfast with an old friend, Angela Pye, who's now the CMO of State House Holdings. And uh, she was also between jobs at the time. And we were both saying, what kind of jobs did we want? And I saw that Poplin Barkley was hiring a CMO and I was like, you should get that job. You'd be perfect for it. You'd crush it. And then you should hire me. And she did. And I love that story because seeing both of our trajectories and both of our paths in this industry and supporting each other in the community we've built is amazing. And I remember when I quit that job because she was my boss and I was like, Angela, I'm quitting and I'm going to leave and I'm going to go be a content creator. And she was like, she remember her look on her face was like, I thought that was the stupidest idea. And like, maybe, look, I'm going to be really honest. Yeah, being a content creator is not that lucrative, especially right now. There's potential. Absolutely. And it's really cool. And how do you start creating and working with brands? I think it's having a unique point of view, having something to say. And if somebody asked me this on Instagram, I didn't ask me anything. And they're like, when did you become an influencer? I'm like, ooh, dirty word, influencer. It is. (laughs) I stray away from it too. I'm like, "Eh, content creator. But you know what? Sure. I'm a content creator. I'm a writer. I'm, I have some influence, right? And I'm trying to use it for good mm-hmm. and be, and being responsible with it. But part of being that was I needed to find a voice and it wasn't, it was, I was baking a lot and I was writing a baking blog just on my personal time when I was between jobs. 
And then once I learned about cannabis, there was a guy at Pop and Barkley who really loved cooking and baking with cannabis because he was a medical user. And we would just sit and talk. And he taught me. He talked me through how to do it, how to dose. And I just remember sitting there and I was so confused. So the words he was telling me, he was explaining me the math of how to dose. And my biggest concern was like, okay, but how much do I use? And how high am I going to get? And I was so concerned that whatever I'd make, I'd get accidentally really fucked up and really high. And so that was really the journey of my curiosity of building fruit and flower and just exploring all of this and trying to find better ways to help teach people how to cook and bake with cannabis in responsible ways that they can dose properly and not just, I don't know, try it and find out, which is usually the answer is make this, try a little bit, wait a couple hours and see how you feel which is good advice. But we also, like, I'm like, can we just start with a base of math and knowledge? And so that's where I've arrived at. And when I first started, I didn't really know anyone. I was lucky because I did meet a lot of people through my job at Pop and Barkley, but that was through Pop and Barkley. That wasn't me personally as like my own point of view. And yes, I did have a lot of product and I just made beautiful things. And I would bake these beautiful desserts because I looked around at the space. And I saw a lot of cannabis chefs and people were making beautiful inspired things, but there wasn't gorgeous desserts. I'm like, but an Instagram is filled with beautiful desserts, but there weren't any beautiful cannabis infused desserts. It was all like icky looking and like pot brownies and space cake kind of things, which delicious sell really well in that high, like the high dose market. But I was like, how do I use beautiful desserts to help inspire people that cannabis edibles can be something that you can place at the table, that can be normalized, that I can use desserts to help teach and educate about flavors and terpene profiles and dosing. And so that's what I started to do. And people loved it. And so there's one project I did where uh, like the packaging in the cannabis industry is so egregious. Like I love as a marketer, I love beautiful packaging. I love a good unboxing. I will buy the fancy packaging, but it's wasteful. And what do you do with it? So I have a whole box in my closet where I hoard them all. And I did a baking project where I made tiny tea cakes and I placed them. I made them and I fit them into each of these reclaimed upcycled boxes. And I put them all out and did a photo. And it was common. It was, it's baking and food as art. And it was a commentary on just recycling and waste. And I think I posted on Earth Day for the first time and I tagged all the brands. And then that's really how I first got my start. That's how I got my first paid gig. I think with Pantry was on there, Ume, there's a couple others. But yeah, like I just made stuff, tagged the brands and then they liked what I did. It came back and then like I charged very little and then kept building up, building more followers. And then now I get to charge a lot more because my offering, my expertise, my audience is very different. But let's be real though, being a cannabis content creator, it's amazing and it's beautiful and I look around at what I get to do and just like all of the abundance that I have and yet I make so little money it is one of those things where it's like can I trade you for product and you do exactly what you do that takes you time and energy and strategy and just like thoughtfulness and it's definitely one of those things I can't even pretend that I've mastered it by any means even as a content creator I've started to just even rethink what that looks like in terms of my offering to a brand. And so I want to learn a little bit more from you 
Two of what are your offerings? What can you offer a brand that you are working with? I think sometimes we just get so hung up on the visual side of it, right? Or just like seeing one channel like social media. And I want to just tease out because I know that you've launched a podcast now. You're on Substack, which had the Substack. I'm also on Substack now, which I want to get into because I just I think there's more interesting ways to one, build an audience, two, to monetize yourself, and three, to build like longevity and a narrative where also these social media platforms are so tumultuous. Like I'm shy away. And I know you've been really public talking about the censorship and just the erratic nature of how these platforms decide what content stays or what content goes. And it sometimes eats me up where I've spent so much time putting together this beautiful, thoughtful content, real photograph, whatever it is. And then I had to tell one brand this happened right before I took a hiatus for making content their content got my account flagged. And I was like, look, the money is not worth it. I do not care what you are paying me to lose my Instagram account at this point with all these followers and the historical content I've made. And so it's this constant tug and battle for me to decide, is Instagram the bucket that I should be building my house in? And the answer for me is no. And so one, want to understand from you, like when a brand kind of approaches you, what can you offer them? What do you specifically offer them? And then what are some of the other platforms that you've identified that you feel are beneficial for you, for brands, for longevity, compliance, et cetera? Yeah. And everything that you said about like what platform do you build on? I felt the same way. Like I built my following on Instagram. That's definitely where it's where I feel personally feel most comfortable. That's where my community is. It's the one that's a little more loosey goosey where you can get away with some stuff. But recently in the last year, there's been some rule changes that we discover every time my account gets flagged. But it's and I started a Substack newsletter because a couple of things. One, I was trying to diversify out of Instagram. I was trying to own my audience where I wouldn't rely on just one platform for my entire audience because that's dangerous. Like you said, if it gets shut down, I lose it, you're gone. And getting that back is really hard. And so start and also like the way that social media naturally is and like the type of content that goes viral it can like really good content can go viral and it can tell a story. But for the most part, the stuff that people watch and the things that catch someone's attention for your brand to go viral to tell the kind of story that you want to tell and your brand messaging as a communications PR person, like that's important. That doesn't necessarily translate into what's going to go viral. Something re- the stupidest shit is the stuff that goes viral. And you need that because you need to get new eyeballs and new audience. So you need to make something that goes viral that will reach your target audience, but bring them into your fold and get them to follow you. And then you create other content that tells a story. So like my best content that I spend my most time on, like sometimes aren't the ones that get the highest views, but I'll pepper that with things that I know might do better. So that'll increase the views and bring in more people. But in terms of what can I offer a brand, Right now, like doing like reels and TikTok videos, like those are definitely the most lucrative, I would say. Brands really want that because in a video, you can tell a lot more. And having that artistry to create a brand video, to either do a voiceover, to tell a story, to create a recipe that someone can see is a lot of work. And then so now, in addition to that, I added in my Substack newsletter because I can't say all the things that I want to say in an Instagram a caption in a photo or even in a video because it's just too much. And so Instagram and Twitter and all of the other channels, like I really look at it like 
I'm just doing what I'm doing as Fruit and Flower Co. I have all these thoughts. I have all these projects. I'm going to do them and they're going to land where they need to on the appropriate platform to ladder back up into my Substack and my newsletter because that's where I can own my audience. That's where I have their emails. That's where they're the most attention. And I write my newsletters and then everything goes back into that. And then this in April, I just launched a podcast, which I am so stoked about because even like in writing, I love reading, but let's face it, like most of us don't read anymore. We don't have time. We're skimming. And so a podcast is a great way to hear information. And so much of my story has been coming out through Hulu's Baker's Dozen, through Instagram over years, but most people don't know who I am. And so by putting all of that and repackaging the content that I have or stories that I've done, recipes into a podcast. So now brands can also sponsor. They can like, so if they come to me, they're like, hey, I want to promote this new product. What can like, here's what we do. Okay, so I can make a recipe or I can write a piece of content where it fits in. I can make an Instagram and or TikTok reel that would promote it on both of our social media channels. I can do a sponsored newsletter post where it shows up really like organically and in my voice, like naturally into the newsletter and fitting in with the topic. And then a podcast ad that lives there and then link in the episode notes, which is great because a podcast lives on in perpetuity forever. I just did one for Mood Retreats, which was a, they are a like women's cannabis retreat, which I absolutely love. And the content, the newsletter, the podcast, it did really well for her and it reached her perfect target audience. And she was really happy with it. And I love that. I love working with brands like that where like it makes sense. It's perfect synergy. And like what I'm talking about already ties in. And so I'm trying to add more too. There's always so much to do. I think for brands, spending dollars on a social media level is challenging, especially for cannabis, because I think that in cannabis, there's this disconnect of what is marketing and what is sales. And maybe not just in cannabis, probably in lots of industries. And this is this big debate. Is marketing sales? Every salesperson and operating person will be like, marketing is absolutely sales. And every marketing person says, no, it is not sales. Sales is sales. And sales is like, how do you convert and get the person to buy? And marketing is how do I bring you and bring you into that brand so that you care about it, you're paying attention, you're watching, that you're planting a seed for somebody to want to be aware of you and want to buy. And that takes time. It's not just like a one-time video. It's not just like a one-off event. You have to keep repetition. And I think for a lot of cannabis brands, especially right now in the climate that we're in, they want quick results. They want immediate results. They want immediate sales. And so a lot of brands have limited dollars, limited resources. And so they're spending their dollars like at the point of sale, which means like in the dispensary. But you're only reaching a very small segment of people who are already going in. And that's what I talk about a lot and why I focus on what I'm doing, because I'm like, if we are only marketing to people who are still going, only going to the dispensaries and the high dose consumers who are spending the most dollars on your product, which makes sense from a sales point of view. But from a marketing point of view, you're not bringing in new consumers. You're not bringing in new customers and new audience. So we have to teach people. We have to inspire them about how cannabis can benefit them in their lives and their families and their loved ones and make them feel comfortable enough to either order in a delivery, right? They're like, okay, now I'm comfortable. I'm curious about buying, but now what? And walking into a dispensary can be really intimidating. It took me like, 
I think like my first dispensary experience, like it took me three rounds. Like I was kind of like circling around in front of the dispensary and I was too nervous to go in. And then when I finally walked in, I was still nervous and I didn't know what to ask. And it wasn't a good experience. And it took me, it wasn't until I was working in the industry where somebody sat me down and explained everything in extreme detail, very patiently that, and a huge headache for about two months as I learned everything. It was like, Neo from the Matrix, like all the information was being jammed. All the inputs, yeah. Oh my God, it was so much. But once I was like, oh, I understand. Now, how do I use food and things that we already know to help explain these concepts to people so that it doesn't sound as intimidating or overwhelming and that they can understand how they can benefit and use this in their daily life? I think that's a really good discernment too. Obviously, as a marketer myself, it's hard. You want to be able to attribute it to sales, but it is so much more than sales. It's about building loyalty and longevity. And so when a brand, unfortunately, on the regulated cannabis side, you are really relegated to, you can't really be direct to consumer. That's where marketing and social media comes from, because you're trying to bring that person along in the journey. Maybe they catch your eye when you release some content and it goes viral or a friend shares a post. But otherwise, like, how do you connect those dots? Hey, I found something on social media. Now I want to actually go make the purchase. I got to go into the building. Which dispensary even sells that product that I want? I got to do some research and then ultimately making the sale. So it's this very challenging hurdle that I don't want to say we don't all deal with it because even on the hemp side, I mean, it still is a challenge. We were just doing an exercise where we have a local mall near us and there's a business that we work with that's in the food space, a pizza company that loves to do co-branded collaborations. So we did a fun special sauce party with them for South by that was fun it was so fun and we love working with them and they have a downtown Austin location and a North Austin location and our dispensary is by their North Austin location and I was like we don't need to do anything with North Austin we're like literally less than a mile and a half away from your business why would I need to promote in the mall when I'm here and there's Google and we're pretty big brand recognition and I was doing a pop-up with them that we were just like testing at that North Austin location and I was walking around the stores just passing out little cards, free edible. And again, we maybe have a little bit of different laws and rules because we're hemp derived, but free edibles. Yeah. You want to have THC stuff? Like, you do what you got to do right yeah, now. We're doing it. But all these people were so excited. They were like, oh, I had no idea you're around the corner. And I'm like, what the fuck? You don't know I'm around the corner. You like cannabis. You don't use Google. You don't see that I'm right here. It just completely opened my, just my, my purview of, holy shit, if you're not even doing it depends also what your goals are. For us, our goals are more localized than national stuff just because we have a physical location. But obviously for dispensaries, we sometimes get stuck in this idea of everybody must know about me and it's yeah. no, they don't. And so how yeah. do you then go market to these different audiences? So anyways, it's just it's been a fun exercise for us to get a little outside of our own brain or ecosystem of what we think is working. And I think that's also part of just marketing and cannabis because it's changing so fast, because there's always something new coming around the bend, like you have to be flexible to pivot and also adapt to meet consumers where they're at. But you were talking about something that I want to acknowledge and go a little bit deeper in because I swear you are releasing content every day. I get your fruit and flower newsletters. <laughs> I see your beautiful social media content. And I am like, what the hell, Christina, do you sleep? And obviously we were just talking about our sleep schedules before we hit record. But from like one creator to another, it's 
honestly become a little overwhelming for me to manage it. And I think the external look is, wow, Christina or Shady, you must be killing it. Like you figured out your schedule. You're doing the podcast in the morning and you're doing the social media in the evening and you're writing on the weekends. But every week I have to reconfirm with myself, like you have to make content, like you have to feed the machine. And it's a double-edged sword because if I don't put the content out there, then I'm not branding myself. I'm not branding my business. I'm not relevant. I'm not capitalizing on hot topics. If you didn't have something ready for 420, which you did a really great lineup of all these events that were going on, I was like, damn, I should have done that. 420 is today. I don't have time to do that. <laughs> I should have. I almost this. killed myself for that list. That was an intense ass list. But like, like how I, do you do it? Like, how do you plan and project what needs to come? Do you have a calendar? Is it very free form? Do you designate certain days, times to like podcasting versus newsletter versus social media. Obviously, when you've branded paid content, it adds a whole nother complexity of a timeline. So I would just love to hear how you handle some of those things. Thank you. And I appreciate you saying that. And I do get a lot of comments from you're crushing it. You're killing it. Your content's so good. You're putting stuff out all the time. Blah, blah. Okay. Can I be really fucking real with you, please? I constantly feel like I am not doing enough. I, const- I relate to that. I constantly feel like I am not creating enough. I am not doing enough. I am not baking enough. I'm not writing. I have all these ideas. I'm not. Cre- and there are literally not enough hours in there. This is my full time job. Like I, I am going for this and it's terrifying. And there's a whole other thing that goes with that. But the beautiful part of having my time and having it free form is I do get to do this all day. But also there's the realities of living your life and having a life and not killing yourself. And when I first started doing this and I was building Fruit and Flower, so Fruit and Flower actually came out of a massive breakup. Um, I was with my partner for 11 years and we were building like my former brand was Baking with Chickens, which is where I showed up in Hulu's Baker's Dozen. And we were shifting into this culinary cannabis world because that's where I could tell people were interested in. And I just, at a certain point, I was like, this is not going, this relationship is not going well. This is not what I signed up for. And like, I'm out. And so Fruit and Flower was born out of that. So it was one of the most horrible, hardest breakups of my entire life. Being with somebody for that long, we shared a home, business, all of those things. And in that I don't even want to say a panic, desperation, depression, anxiety. Like for the first time in my life, I felt extreme depression and anxiety. And I talk a lot about this in the podcast. It's just starting to unveil now. If you're like listening to each episode, it's building up now and it gets more interesting. But there were days where like I would wake up and I'd have such crippling anxiety that I couldn't function. I couldn't respond to an email. I couldn't bake. I couldn't clean up. I could like and cannabis absolutely helped me get my shit together and focus and give me just a little bit to keep pushing. And that's what Fruit and Flower was born out of. The next episode that's coming out is called Rage Cake. And it's a good story. But like, how do I do it all? So when I first started, I was literally killing, I was fighting my own depression and anxiety in this breakup and like trying to survive and figure out like, how am I going to support myself in my life that I have and create this business to be able to support that? And so sheer will, I think part of that fueled by weed and coffee, cannabis and coffee, excellent combination to create, to push past anything you have going on. Um, But it also wasn't healthy. Like I was, I would wake up and I would be, I'd wake up at my 9 a.m. and I would just be on and I would work nonstop until maybe midnight or one o'clock and then crash, wake up, repeat. And that wasn't healthy. 
And so I finally got to a point now where I'm like, okay, it's like I have a relatively like I have a new relationship. It's so now it's like my time is broken up a little bit better and I'm make I'm forcing myself to have personal time. But like, how do I do it all? Honestly, a lot of it is I've spent it's it's years of experience. Like I spent what the last four years baking, creating recipes and writing and taking photos, all of that turns into recipes that I write now. Like that work isn't gone. That idea was there. The photo was taken. The recipe wasn't written. It wasn't turned into cannabis. And so it's I'm banking on all of that experience and things that I've done to create new content and then taking those recipes to now put in that I posted on Instagram, but never had a recipe. So that's now newsletter content. And then now I'm taking those stories and turning that into podcasts. So it's, I have a deep well of content and information that I draw from. And honestly, I'm just, I try to be really easy on myself now where I'm like, if I have an idea and I have a hair up my butt about it, like, I'll just do it. Like yesterday, I'm like, if I feel like sitting and editing and making content right now, that's what I'm going to do. I also know that I can't write like first thing in the morning because I have a hard time making sentences. <laughs> so I reserve my writing time like later in the afternoon or in the evening because I'm going to be much more efficient. And then I'll have ideas. So like I'll have an idea and then I'll just start saving them and banking them. So you mentioned my 420 list of all I did in my newsletter, a roundup list of all of the different 420 events from in California to New York and everything that I could find. And I just I just happened to see them. So I'd been saving them and I would just add them all in and I would search. I'd get the invites. And that's become really popular on my newsletter. People see me out at events and they're like, I want to go to these. Like how? So now I'm like, okay, whenever I get an invite or I see something cool, I save it and it makes it easier for me to create it. So I'm always looking for systems of how can I make creating easier and faster? And I'm also just easy on myself where if I have an idea and I didn't get to it, I didn't get to it. And honestly, like even clients, like I have brands who've talked to me who want to work with me and I'm like, okay, cool. I'll send you a proposal. It's been a few months and I still owe them a proposal. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And what I love about this industry is that people are really understanding and forgiving. And they're like, it's cool. Like it'll happen when it happens. And I'm like, I'm not ignoring you. It's not that I don't want to work with you. It's just, I don't know. And it just is. And like the amount of time I spend agonizing over that is wasted time. And so I'm just trying to like, what can I do right now? What do I have the capacity to do right now? And I know it looks like I'm creating content and posting every day, but I actually took a huge step back. I was posting every day to Instagram and all of the other channels. And I was like, this is so much. And I'm like, I can't. And like, just continuing to be able to engage. So I took a step back and I actually I'm like, I don't post every day now. I post when I have something and that's kind of it. And if I don't post, then I don't post. Oh, it hasn't really, does it hurt your engagement? Like I also got into a point with social media where it was, it's a toxic relationship. We are in 100%. a toxic relationship with social media where we just give and we keep creating content. The rules keep changing. We're being gaslit constantly and we don't get anything back. Like I get a lot back from the community and the people there, but I'm like, I don't need to keep feeding beasts that isn't feeding me. What part of this makes me feel good? What? How can I use this tool 
to help reach an audience or reach a community or share a message, but not get so hung up on like the mechanics of the back end of, am I getting enough views? Am I getting enough reach? Am I doing this? I think there's little tweaks that you can do that will help optimize it. And like, I just, I learned those and I adjust it along the way. Like for example, on LinkedIn, LinkedIn doesn't like external links. They like just text posts. So if I'm posting one of my newsletters and I'm sharing it, I don't put the link in my main post. I put the link in comments and I create something and I write something that like the audience and the viewer, the reader on LinkedIn might align with that connects back into it. And then they'll click through that way. And like the, and then the view and the reach and the engagement is like triple, quadruple, just with that small change. Hey, To Be Blunt fam, it's Shada here, and I want to give a shout out to my own brand of premium cannabis products, Restart CBD. As a daily user myself, I can personally attest to the effectiveness of our cannabis tinctures, topicals, edibles, and specifically our hemp-derived Delta 9 THC offerings. Whether I'm dealing with stress, body aches, or just need a boost in focus, Restart has a product and cannabinoid that can make me feel better. And our customers have been loving Restart too. Here are some actual quotes from our fans. Juice said, customer service alone deserves a five star. Always super generous when we come here. Also very professional and knowledgeable. Why, thank you very much. We take those five stars and we raise you a high five. And then Laura said, this is the absolute best dispensary I've ever been to. It's run by three sisters who are all equally knowledgeable about every product they sell. Ah, Laura, thank you for seeing us. We really are out here acting like a sponge, just trying to soak up all the information. So if you're looking for quality cannabis products from CBD to Delta 8, and yes, even Delta 9, we got you. Head to restartcbd.com. By the way, we ship nationwide. All our products are federally legal and hemp derived. So use the code 2BTOBE at checkout to get $5 off your first order on me. Our team is dedicated to providing you with the best cannabis products on the market, and we're proud to be sponsors of To Be Blunt. Thanks for supporting my brand and my podcast, and let's all restart our day with Restart CBD. It's crazy. Obviously, I can relate to so many things you said, just also coming out of a breakup and kind of creating something out of that mess. That's honestly how the podcast started. I was dating a guy who questioned what I was doing in cannabis and really wanted me to, quote unquote, be like a Susie homemaker. And I was like, fuck that noise. I'm going to go full into cannabis now, loser. And yeah. started the podcast and just had experience being a content creator prior to cannabis. And so that was an interesting Transition for me, especially being in Texas, where I don't have access to as many cannabis brands. And then also having my own brand. I'm in this weird world where I don't want to promote other people's products necessarily because I want to promote my own. So I haven't been able to like fully make something of it, but I see the opportunity with not cannabis, yes, but content, creating content and being able to tell a story from a brand perspective or from a personal Mm -hmm. brand perspective and being able to be a voice and being able to like, again, create this community that you can learn from. I've said it many times on the podcast. So my listeners, my OG listeners know this, but I'm a very selfish gal. I just, 
I try to do things that can benefit me. And if, by the way, it benefits you guys, then like we all win, which is really where this podcast started. It was, I want to learn and I'm going to learn at all costs. And if you want to be along for the ride with me, then you can. And that has been good for content as well. But there is still that double-edged sword where I'm then owned by my metrics. I'm owned by my analytics. And it's no longer just creating content to create content. So I've gone through this journey, this ebb and flow where I'm like really in it. And then I pull back. So probably the last month, I just stopped really posting personal stuff, not for any particular reason other than it's exhausting. It's exhausting to feel like, oh, and this is the, I don't drink coffee. I don't know. I was about to say coffee, but this is the coffee brand I'm drinking today. Or this is the swimsuit I'm buying, or this is the trip I'm taking. And I'm really just using social media for, this is my business. This is a product we're launching. This is an event we're doing and trying to step away a little bit to create some, some space, but also then leaning more into Substack. My husband's very encouraging of writing. And so I've been very reluctant to writing. I actually started out as a blogger before I even got into social media. And so that was like my entry point. And I've abandoned that in long form. Like you said, Instagram Mm -hmm. only gives you so much space. And so it was this like, I don't know, what should I do? What could I do? And then I mentioned the podcast is turning three in June. So it's like, okay, I've mastered podcasting. I understand the social media content game. Let me go flex my muscles over here doing written long form and Again, every week I'm just like, okay, I have to strap in and be like, we're doing this. Yeah. (laughs) You got to be creative. You got to come up with an idea. And I like what you were highlighting about. And that was like a good tip, right? And so my equal response to that tip is I have too many notes on my phone and on my Mac (laughs) and they're buried. It's here's an idea and there's an idea. Like I haven't done a good job of organizing the ideas Mm. in one central place that I can call upon. It's like there's a lot of ideas and there are a lot of places. But I do think that's a huge step to just kind of obviously plan. It sounds so rudimentary, but people like who want to get started doing this, like just have some sort of plan, have some sort of idea, some bank where you keep your ideas that can help you kind of. I have an idea bank. I do that. So I I used to keep them in notes and it just got real intense. And like sometimes also when I get high, I need lots of ideas. Depending on the strain, like it'll flow and I'll just like shit. And so if I'm driving, I have to do the audio recording and I just smart myself. And then I'll write them out later. But I actually have a Google Doc. It's called Idea Bank. And so I have this, now I have this sick thing going on where as if I'm like daydreaming or falling asleep or whatever, I think in TikTok videos. So we'll hear music and I will be thinking about imagining and editing videos in my mind. Oh, And so I'll be like, oh shit, I have an idea or I'll have voiceover thought. Or I'm like, I know. So I work with Student Glass a lot. So I do monthly videos for them. So I'm constantly thinking about what am I going to do? What's the voice? I like I'll have the concept, but I'm like, all right, what's the video? And then I'll have an idea and I'll hear my voiceover. I'll see the edit. And so I'm like, all right, I got to write this down. So I have a Google Doc so I can do it from my computer, from my phone, anywhere. I just like grab it and I just write it down. Whatever the idea is, it doesn't have to be fully fleshed. I just write down what I'm thinking and it just lives there. And then when I need to come back to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I had that idea. Let me come back. And then I'll use that to flesh out my idea better so that when I'm shooting and editing, I'm being much more efficient with my time. So when I used to film and edit and post stuff, like I would shoot, I would film everything. It's like film first, edit later. You can do it that way, but honestly, it doesn't make for great content. And it's a lot of wasted like video space. Oh, 100%. So now like I think of I'm like, all right, what is it that I'm trying to say? What is it that I'm trying to do? And then I'll go into my idea bank. And then when I, once I posted it, I move it into the posted section. So it goes away. Um, and like, I'm also OK 
never coming back to some of those ideas. They're just there. And maybe it was a good idea. Maybe it was a bad idea. Even if it was a good one, it doesn't mean that I have the bandwidth or the ability to do it. But it's there for me when I want to. I think you made a point too earlier of just like the experience that you've accumulated. And so it's, and I've been trying to learn, obviously, I love learning too, but just like paying attention to like how other creators are doing things and what tools they use and how they execute. And on one hand, we are cut from a different cloth. Not that anybody can't be a content creator or be a public facing person with a voice and like a, an attitude and a way of doing things. But I do think that we dream and think a little differently That's with like, that kind of content first mentality. Like when I hear something, I'm like, oh, that'd be a really good piece of content. I got like, oh, that could be a video. That could be a podcast. Hey, look, let me plug it in there. I just, I think, have struggled over the years of reeling it in and finessing it, which maybe to your observation too, other people are like, wow, you're doing great. And you're like, I'm falling apart inside. <laughs> like, it's really okay. <laughs> We're holding it all together. We're holding it all together. So it's one of those things like, I don't want to be self-deprecating by any means, but obviously in the spirit of the podcast, like to be blunt, like it's just, I love having yeah. these conversations because I don't want people to glorify what I do, at least personally, knowing that it does take a lot of work. It does take a lot of effort and it really just takes time and throwing things at the wall and seeing what works and what doesn't work and being okay if something doesn't perform, which is yeah. a constant battle that I am trying to calm myself down with. Every time I post, it's like, I'll post and then I'll throw the phone with the couch or something. So it's, I don't want to look at I it. I don't want to look at it. But then I'll catch myself being like, ooh, two minutes later, what did the metrics say? Ooh, did anybody open the newsletter? Literally, ooh, not like, even did they click? Five minutes. It's a sickness. It's, it's just, a sickness. Like you said, it's poison. So yes, everything you're saying, it's very much appreciated. And I know the listeners too are like eating this up because it <laughs> is a peek inside this weird, crazy world that we exist in. And so I want to end on bringing things that may, maybe like back around to your experience as a publicist and doing PR. And being on the other side as a content creator, working with these brands from a PR press okay. perspective, I don't know what the explicit question is so much as just understanding and maybe some lessons from you or maybe like ways that you've learned to handle it because you speak PR. And I think I can relate to that. While I was never a full publicist, I did major in PR. So I understand for me, all press is good press. Even if there's bad press, we're going to spin it. And so looking at it from that mentality of you're trying to go out, you're trying to get your message heard, you're trying to build awareness, which leads to loyalty, which leads to brand adoption, ultimately sales. And then now being on this other side where I'm sure a lot of PR people are coming to you saying, hey, Christina, I've got a client. I've got a brand I yeah. want to work with. What <laughs> is that relationship like for you? Just understanding both sides of the spectrum. That empowers yeah. you to be able to deliver better for these cannabis brands. And for me, I would say it's not that like you need to have all these skills. For anyone listening, it's not like you need to know all of these things. It's for me, this is the culmination of all of my experience, of all of my passions. I went to grad school for PR. I worked at PR agencies. I worked with food and restaurants and chefs and travel and hospitality. So this is something that is already very ingrained in me. I just simply took this and mashed it up with something else. And the content creating is very new and it's hard and it hurts my poor little elder millennial brain. But like, I always say, I'm like, it's going to be hard. It's going to, it's always hard learning something new. And if it was easy, everybody do it. So that's what keeps me going. And for me, being the unique person where I understand PR, I understand content and social media marketing, I understand communications and key messaging, and I understand the marketing funnel and sales and how does that flow in 
I also understand editorial better now from like a journalist point. I, I don't consider myself a journalist. Um, I don't have those kinds of ethics, to be quite honest. I'll take you want to pay me, I'll take it and I'll write what you want. Um, but but I also understand how to take. Right. So for a brand to come to me and work with me, I can say, OK, like, what is your goal? What are you trying to do? Who are you? I can help you massage that and also find what is the piece of content? What is the story through line and where does it fit? Because not everything fits in every piece of it and not everybody needs all of it. But I can see the whole picture and I can create a piece of content that can also live for their blog. It can also live with a retail partner with their dispensary on their blog that goes out in their newsletter. I can create video content that lives in social media for the brands, either for myself to promote to my audience or to the dispensary's audience. And so that unique perspective that I have, you say, I haven't even talked about baking yet. My whole, like my, I got started in this by baking and I find that I do that a lot less now, but it's, Right. I speak PR. I understand what it feels like. I've worked with founders. I am a founder myself. I understand those challenges. I understand. And like something that I've really come to adopt in this industry is that money isn't the only currency. And that might seem silly because we live in a world where it's all about money, capitalism, blah, blah, blah. But like um, when you have to get creative, when brands don't have money, or maybe they do and you just have to ask them, but for me, I've found that a lot of the projects that I work on, I'm able to do a whole lot with not a lot of budget because money isn't the only currency. And the pandemic reminded me of that. We started bartering and trading and having a community. And when you have a community of people, you can have a whole lot without having to spend a lot of money. And that's where I'm like, I'm saying like, it's wild because in this moment, I'm like, I don't make a whole, I use, I made a whole lot more working in the corporate world. But I also feel the wealthiest right now because I have so much. I'm given so much. I have so many people around me. And whenever I need something, I'm not like, how do I, do I have enough to buy it? I'm like, all right, who do I know? What could I ask for? What can I trade? What can I, what skills do I have that I, like, I'm like, I need wallpaper back here. Like this needs a whole design. Like I'm not an interior designer. This is really hard, but I do know someone who is. And I'm like, what do you need? Just I need PR. And I'm like, okay, let's talk. So that type of relationship, right? Again, pivoting, being creative, thinking outside the box. That's part of entrepreneurship. And that's one of the hardest things in cannabis. And it's just pivoting constantly. Things are going to be thrown your way and just thinking differently about it. No, I love that. And I think that's very important, obviously, too, just considering the nature of the industry that we're in on one end of the spectrum. It's so popularized. It's almost like, what? we don't have federal legalization. Like everybody's friendly with cannabis. But then on the other end, you still have so much red tape. And like, how do you do business with limited funds, limited access, like dealing with all the other headaches and hurdles that we deal with as an industry? Maybe like a supplement follow up to that, which is what I could have asked. But I love what you said anyways. But I, as you're talking, I'm like, oh, this is what I wanted to ask her. <laughs> PR like for a brand versus PR for yourself. So are you finding that you have built such a great personal brand that you have. And this is me speaking like from my experience too, like I have a media kit. Brands, yes, they reach out on social media, but I also, if I like a brand, I might pitch myself and it's like having a media kit and presenting mm -hmm. myself. I just want to hear from your perspective coming like truly from PR and now building this beautiful brand and sub brands that you've been a part of. How do you like build the brand that is Christina? And how do you present that? Are you doing a lot of pitching? Do you receive a lot? Is it just very organic? I'm going to say 
all of the above. My experience in PR and being a publicist for others makes me a really good publicist for myself. When I created Fruit and Flower, I had my friend who's an expert in brands and brand voice, like actually go make a deck for me. Like I paid her a lot to do this deck because even though I do this for others, doing it for myself was incredibly difficult. And I knew this already from experience. And so that I would say was the biggest gift I could give. And I wanted to mention this too, so I'm glad you brought it up. My advice, like how do you stay focused on what you're doing, the content you're putting out and not getting lost is know your why. Who is your target audience and what is your why? Not your what, not your how. But if you've ever read the book, like Start With Why by Simon Sinek, he also has a TED Talk on the mat, on the subject that's fantastic and you should watch. What is your why? Why do you do what you do and who are you talking to? Like, I mean, I get distracted in a million different set, in a million different ways because there's so many ideas all the time and everything's exciting. But I have to go back and be like, all right, what's my why? And I focus there. What's important to me? Why am I doing this? And that creates a lot of, okay, I can set this aside. This isn't important right now. But being a publicist for myself is actually great because I know my story. I don't have to, and it's a really good story. I don't have to bullshit. Like when I work with other brands, I'm just like, ah, yeah. It sucks because sometimes you have to do what you're told instead of doing what you know is good. But hiring myself is easy. And also for me, now that I've become like a creator, somebody with a voice of influence and a writer, I find myself around a lot of journalists and writers. Whereas before I was kind of like the pesky publicist being like, hey, now I get to be seen as a friend and a peer. And I also make an effort to go out to events by myself. I, I go to a lot of events without a plus one, because I find that if I'm going with somebody or if I know people there, I end up only sticking with that person. But if I go by myself, it forces me to be more social and to interact and talk no matter how uncomfortable it might be. And those always, and even if my first interaction with somebody is really cringy, it'll come back around. I send follow-ups on social media. I'll follow them. Hey, it was really lovely to meet you. And building relationships like PR, publicity, your media rate, your kid, those are tools but ultimately, like PR is all about your relationships with somebody, right? Like I can DM somebody and ask them if for their honest truth and if they would write it. But and like also being respectful, like people like journalists, writers, public, everybody's human. And we're all trying to do what we're trying to do. And just being understanding of that. All great advice. I really appreciate you sharing it so candidly. I love to end my episodes with my guest thinking future forward. So I know you've got some new podcast episodes coming out, Substack, this project with Rachel. What is next in the horizon for Christina that you're excited about that you want to share with us? Oh man, so many things. Yeah. So the first one, I would say The Clever Root is relaunching in June with Rachel. So that is a digital publication all about culinary cannabis. So if you love food, it's, I'm like, imagine like a Bon Appetit, food and wine, that kind of food world meets cannabis and showing how it can normalize. So I'm writing recipes that are low dose and high dose. That's new. And I'm very excited about because I was originally writing a lot of low dose recipes, but I think that I'm trying to teach and educate how much flour do you use? So you have at least a place to start. And then no matter what your tolerance is, you can multiply up or down to adjust for your personal dose. So that's going to happen. We have a lot of partnerships with other publications, which is fantastic. And then for Fruit and Flower, I am really looking at it like a media company. Like I want to continue to grow it. I would love to be able to hire someone. I don't know where I'm at with this, but really, number one, I would just like more brands to pay me to do more things. That would be great. 
to be able to just I'm like, I don't need a lot. I just need a minimum to pay the bills. We'll see. But that I think the podcast is definitely my newest. I love it. I love doing the podcast because it gives me a voice to tell the stories I haven't been able to tell and using that experience. And and my format isn't having guests. It's me talking about a specific recipe and talking about how to infuse it. Or there's like a cannabis education element. And then I call it the unfurled part of fruit and flower unfurled. What is the personal story, the message or something more heartfelt that comes with it. And like I was listening to the last couple episodes and like I cried because it was just so deeply personal to me. I'm now starting to think about season two of the podcast. So that's coming up. And then another project we haven't talked about yet, but I will tease here at the end and you can go check it out is something called Mogu Magu. Mogu means mushroom in Chinese and Magu is the Chinese hemp goddess. And this is a project I'm working on with my friend, Chef Wendy Zhang. She was a, she's a cannabis chef and she was one of the winners on Chopped 420. And she and I became friendly and we started getting together and hosting these API events. And so Mogu Magu is an API culture, food, and cannabis collective in that order. And we gather as many APIs as we can find and know and allies as well. And we celebrate our culture and our heritage with cannabis as a part of it and in an effort to destigmatize cannabis in the community because it is a huge problem. People, even with our own parents, it's really challenging. And so the project, the big, audacious, ridiculous project that we took on for this year is an exhibition exploring who is Magu. She is a Taoist deity and she is associated with cannabis and hemp and she is a healing a healing deity and a protector of women and the goddess of longevity. So we're doing an event coming up on June 16th where we're going to have a salon and conversation exploring who is this deity. We did this beautiful, amazing, like magic realism photo shoot as the modern day magus inspired by like these old Chinese scholarly paintings. And then it will be a series of events throughout the year, years, however long it's going to take. And we are trying Because like a lot of the art and the stories that have been told about Magu have been through the male gaze, through male scholars who have written about her, but not through, but she hasn't been talked about from a woman's gaze or from a very uniquely Asian American diaspora as cannabis consuming women in a modern age. So we're going to take a look at how she was depicted and talked about and who she was in art and art history and take those stories to reinterpret them for us in a modern age. And how do we channel her as a healing deity to be able to help educate and destigmatize cannabis. That wraps up another fantastic episode of the To Be Blunt podcast, and I hope you've enjoyed the enlightening discussions and insights we've shared today. But the conversation doesn't end here. I invite you to join my vibrant community of cannabis enthusiasts, experts, and advocates. So what can you do to stay connected and get involved? First, make sure you subscribe to To Be Blunt on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed our show, I would truly appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review it. Your feedback helps the podcast grow and reach more listeners like you. Next, head over to our website, www.tobebluntpod.com, where you'll find a wealth of resources, exclusive content, and our show archives. While you're there, be sure to sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date on the latest cannabis news and events. Lastly, I would love to hear your thoughts, questions, and episode suggestions. 
Connect with me and the show on social media. Find us on Instagram at tobebluntpod and at theshadedtorabi. Let's keep the conversation going and work together to dispel myths, break stigmas, and celebrate the incredible world of cannabis. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, stay curious, stay informed, and stay blunt. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadatarabi.com slash tobeblunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadatarabi.com. 